Welcome to... To what? A sad episode. Oh. No, not really. It's just the last one in, in the studio. my mouth wow. i did that with my mouth yeah, no recording <laughs> device anywhere this is all from the pipes well that could have been for two things one this house which i'm not upset to leave true um and for the queen that too who died yes the queen poor windsor family i, I guess she I mean, lived a I, very I, long time churchill winston or whatever was her prime what's that his name woodrow will no What's the guy's you name? Got that was it. Church, Winston Churchill. It Winston? You had it right. You just flipped it. So he was the her prime minister whenever she first became in office. That's how old this woman is. That's cra- That's crazy. How like long she lived though? Yeah, ninety six years old. I don't want to be ninety six. I know, but she lived. I, know. I mean, she lived a happy life. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, there was a quote I saw where she said that she wanted to live. To see Jesus come, so she could lay her crown at her. At I saw that. That King's was cool. Feet. And I thought that was really cool. Had more respect for her. I was just like, that was cool. That was really cool. But, but she, you know, but here's here. I'm gonna hit everybody with a harsh dose of reality. Why does everyone care so much? I mean, I get it. It's just the dream, like. Yeah. They make TV shows about it. I mean, the crown. That's the only one I can think of, but it I know is. there's I mean, multiple of them. It's just like, and I do care. I don't I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I mean, why are we all this sad? Because it. But I get it. I guess I get it if you're in England. Like, yeah, but we're not. True. <laughs> we're in Tennessee. True. They got like a like a two week holiday. I know. Like banking holiday or whatever. So, I mean. I know, but I don't know. I mean, just I, my favorite thing that happened was I wasn't really following this at all. Me and Jackson usually talk throughout the day, and the moment she died, my phone te- is a text from Jackson that says, the queen has died. And that's exactly how I read it. Like, you got out, and I just went, the queen has died. Oh, how tragic. And I honestly did not even know she was that sick. Well, it all like, happened oh, no. so fast. It all happened, like, in a day. Yeah. It was like, I think it's... But Code Unicorn or something. I was talking to one of my customers about it today, believe it or not, because he had it on in his living room and I was also there. Excuse me. That was a long one. But um, we were talking about it and he said that... Um, I lost my train of thought. What did he say? Like, when I yawned, my mind went blank. Come on. He said that... Can you come back to me on that? Because I don't remember what I was going to say. We'll just start reading, and then at some point, you're like, ah, I got it. He... Don't think too hard. All right, so what episode are we on? 24. Four? Four, five. five. 25. I don't Tell them about the fun fact about the podcast. Your dad sent it to us in a TikTok. 
You don't know? I'm trying to think. Is it the one where it's like most podcasts don't even last after three episodes? Yes, and if you do last further than three episodes, you're in like the top 20%. Yeah, that's right, guys. So Top 20% right here. Because we have 25 episodes. Percent, I don't know what it was, but I mean, it was a it was a good number. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, we were, we're, we're up there now. Yeah. So, but... Uh, well, what, what, what's been going... I got it. Don't you? You don't have to worry about it. I, I knew. I know what you're going to say. Okay. I had a good week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. It's been work, and you still think of it. You're, are you gonna? I'm thinking. Just don't keep, worry about keep it. Keep talking. Um, it's been a good week. Gonna. I'm taking off Friday to help you move, and I know you're stressed, but the house looks barren. It does look, there's just it do look better. The TV was on the ground when I walked in. And I was like, "Oh, I work hard to make this house a home." It's bad. There's no dining room table. There's just chairs. That's in case we had a crowd. Yeah, and they're all like stacked like pews almost. I just wanted them out of the way. Like they weren't like facing each other. They were or a circle. Imagine were, like, living in, in this this week. Like you just walk in and you just go, well, "This is sad." Yeah, but that's okay because it's about to get better. Yeah. Me and, me and the homeowner were talking about something about the queen, and I can't think of it. What we were talking about? It Anywho, was, it's your turn. It was revel. It was relevant. It's your turn. Um, this week has been phenomenal. I mean, truly, too blessed to be stressed. Right. This boy is too blessed to be stressed. That's right. Because I am a child of the one true king, who just is a little stressed right now. <laughs> but um, everything is going good. I feel like I've been catapulted into adulthood because yesterday I was talking to um, my real estate agent. He was like, so do you have your home insurance lined up? And I was like, the what? He was like, you know, you're... Because here I have renter's insurance. Home insurance is a whole new ballgame. And I was like, hmm. Well, this was like 7 p.m. last night we were talking about it. And I went, hmm. Um, no, but I will work on that. And he goes, that's usually like a two-week process. And I was like... Well, we're going to get it expedited. So I called Barry, and I was like, hey, Barry is my insurance agent. And I was like, so I bought a house. He goes, congratulations. When do you close? I said, mm, Thursday morning. And he was like, what? And I went, Thursday morning at 930. And he was like, oh, well, um, we'll get it done. We'll, we'll. But he had like actually drive over to the house, like walk around it, look at it, take pictures, all this stuff. So, but it's insured. As well, of Barry. as of thirty minutes ago, it is insured. Well, so, if there's a fire, earthquake, it, extra earthquake is not covered. But I can buy extra coverage for the earthquake. I feel like you you don't need to worry about that. I don't know. Um, if an earthquake happens and swallows your house, just let it go. What if I'm in it? I have life insurance. <laughs> but um, so that that was that was good, and then also. To sum all this week up, and you don't even know about this, I have transmission problems with my new truck. So, that's that's new. That was as of today. Um, it has a hard time shifting between third and fourth. Um, but that's new. That's a new development that happened. It's been going on for like a month, but I just thought it was like a, oh, it just does that sometimes. It does not. <laughs> it, it's a 10 speed. It's a new, it's like it's a new Ford, right? And it has a 10-speed transmission, and the screen in my um, gauges, like the screen tells me which gear it's in. And for some reason, 
gears 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 work flawlessly. But 3 and 4, no. So like it'll, it'll go to 3, and then it'll struggle with the shift, and then it'll go back down to 1, and then try it again, and then fail again, and then finally it'll break through and, and shift. But it, it feels horrible. This morning, I pulled out of the office, and I it made it to 3rd, and then... It wasn't, so I was just being me and floored it because I'm like, you will shift past the third gear. And I floored it, and then it just lost all power, like everything. And I was like, the transmission's out. And then it kicked back in, and I was like, that is unfortunate that my new truck is already having transmission problems. So, da-da-da. That's the new development in my life. I'm not surprised. But also, I want to tell you something. We had a listener respond something we talked about last week. Really? And honestly, it should be a slap to your face. My face? Yours. Because I've already recruited somebody from my softball team. Oh my gosh, it's that. And, okay. they were, and they were like, we would love to. And I was like, thank you. It wasn't. Doesn't matter. I want to know. No. Here, I'm going to mute my mic. Doesn't mute, matter. Mute your mic. Three, two, one, mute yours. No. Okay, I will. Okay. Well, that's that a star player right there. It probably is. And his wife. So, I don't even want you to be on my team. <laughs> you're not you're no, you're no longer welcome. It hurt. Right there. Right in my heart. <laughs> right here. Here. It hurt right there cuz I was so excited about it and you just you shot it down. Sometimes you have to shoot him down. But it's a good idea. It'll be fun. <laughs> I say do it. But it's not fun unless my best friend is also there. Anyway, we'll discuss this later, okay. young man. But <laughs> I just wanted you to know that someone reached out. Uh, someone reached out. I'm going to have a talk with this And person. said, we think a church league softball team sounds like a phenomenal idea. And I said, yes, sister. Yes, it does. So sorry everyone doesn't think that way. <laughs> you. <laughs> Matthew. Oh, you want to change the subject chapter, to you? Oh, you yeah, want to the Bible. <laughs> to the Word of God. To the Word of God. Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. 15. Me, don't. Me first. Okay. We are going to finish Matthew chapter 15. There's not too much left, but I'm going to start. Dylan's going to go ham. Picking up in verse 29. Jesus went out from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up onto the mountain and sat down there. And a great crowd came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet. And he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healed, the lame walking, and blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So... I hope you think this is a good idea too. I didn't run it by you. Okay. Unlike the church league softball. Um, but you can learn a lot of things from these three verses. And um, we could talk, I could talk for a long time about it. But you see here um, that previously, in starting in verse 21, it was talking about um, the faith of the Canaanite woman and why through her faith was her daughter uh, healed. Excuse me. So, um, 
Okay. So, um, then we follow along with Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee and kind of went up on the mountains and it doesn't say this, but I'm assuming to kind of be by himself. But when he was there, all these crowds of people came. But not only did the crowds of people came, like they came with kind of the people that we overlook. They came with the deaf. They came with the mute, the crippled, you know, all these things with other with people with disabilities. And, you know, in our society, and it shouldn't be this way, but here's the rea- the reality, realist fact, I guess, of our society is we do overlook those people. Oh, yeah. Because we think, though they're not, a lot of them are smarter than me, but I mean... We overlook them because we think, you know, they can't handle what we can handle or they can't, you know, they shouldn't be looked at as a regular member of society because they, they can't function properly. I feel like we do that the same way. I don't want to, like, like target anyone. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we do that the same way in Mexico. Like, yeah. heavily. No, I agree. Like, sitting in class, I feel like because we have to, do we speak and then we pause for a translator, I almost feel like we dumb our lessons down. Even though this is a the adult males class that that's just was what I kind of like I thought of while I was in there I felt like this was a very easy listen that we that and not everyone did it but right. like I feel like they dumbed it down a little bit when we don't have to right no I agree with you but when we do that with people here yeah you know oh he has special needs well you know there's nothing just don't talk quietly around him or don't agitate him or you know well you know a lot of them can't even have jobs or you know but the moral of this story is all these people, they brought those with them because they knew that the only person that could heal them is Christ. And then we find out in verse 31, so that the crowd wondered, or no, excuse me, the end of verse 30, um, they brought the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put him at his feet and he healed them. So even Jesus didn't look at him and was like, well, bless their heart, but there's nothing I can do. They're made to be that way, you know, and and obviously the unfortunate part of our society is we don't have anybody who can heal that. Yeah. I don't care who you think you are, you can't. But these people brought these to Christ, these people, and just, they knew. They knew that he was going to heal them, and obviously it took work, because if you're trying to drag a crippled man up a mountain, because that's where Jesus was, he went up on the mountain and sat down there, and it never... Nowhere in these verses does it say he came down. They yeah. came to him, but they're bringing... I mean, just imagine the scene. They're having to to lead the blind to him. They're having to carry the crippled. They're having to carry the lame. They're, you know, all these things. And Jesus didn't turn them away. He healed them. And then in verse 31, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, Did not obey? The crippled healthy. I mean, imagine you being in that. I mean, we all know somebody who suffers from some sort of a disability. And then imagine if just one day you were like, oh, hey, hey, he's blocking. He's never done that before. And it doesn't say he fixed him temporarily or they don't walk with a limp. Like, they're they're fine. Yeah. And then this guy that I don't know him blind forever, well, now he can see me. He knows what colors are. And the guy that's mute is talking to me. I mean, imagine how you would feel if you saw that. But um, when they saw it, they glorified the God of Israel. So here, let's sum all the story up into our application. As in the sense of, 
in the church as Christians, we look down on other people who may who might not have the spiritual ability that we do. I mean, you look down on somebody who doesn't know Christ or who is unchurched or whatever, and we just look at them and just say, well, you know, ain't nothing I can do for them. You know, there's nothing. They don't know God. That's sad. Yeah. Darn. And and we think that way, and, and a lot of people listening probably thinks that way. I mean, that's just that's just who we are. I think that way sometimes. Where you just see somebody who doesn't know God, and you're just like, well, I wish they knew him, and then you just forget. And the same way we overlook people with disabilities, we overlook souls because we see too much of an outer appearance, and we're like, well, there's nothing we can do for them. Yeah, we can't heal them, but if we can bring them, and I'll, I'll echo Richard preach a sermon about this, we spend too much time trying to bring people to the water. It's not, I mean, yes, baptism is essential to salvation. And I stand by that. But if you lead somebody to Jesus, baptism is going to come natural. But we spend, we spend so much time just saying, well, lead, let's get them baptized. Let's get them baptized. And then we just turn them loose. Yeah. That's not what we're supposed to do. Lead them to Jesus. Show them to um, let Jesus be the center of their life. And baptism is going to come. It may not be as instantaneous. Maybe they're not ready to be baptized yet. You know, so that's what we need to understand is we need to point people to Christ. No matter who they are. No matter if it's an alcoholic that you've known that's drank for 20 years. He can still be helped. He still has a soul. Or the person that you hear that, you know, goes to parties every weekend and, and <laughs> they have a soul. But we spend too many too much time just saying, well, you know, let's just let's not worry about them. Let's just worry about other people that are easier to get to. That's not what it's about. That's not what being a Christian is supposed to be. But then you can also learn from this that we also sell ourselves short because these people could have also looked at the people with disabilities and said, you know, let's just not worth not worth taking them up there. But they knew that Jesus could do something for them. And so if he can use the crippled, the lame, the blame, the mute, all these people, then he can use us if we let him. You know, you will be 100% complacent as a Christian, which means not moving. And it's your fault. Because we're like, well, I just, I just can't do it. I'm not ready yet. I can't do it. Yeah, you can. And it may be uncomfortable and it may not be fun. But yes, you can. Right. You can do anything if God is the center of your life. But we, we're just like, yeah, I'm, just, uh, I'm not going to do that because I just can't. Guys, if he can use the people that were, that were understanding and if he can use the, all those people with disabilities in Matthew 15, he can use you no matter what you have. You know, all he wants you to do is take your talent and multiply them. You know, that was one. He yawned. <laughs> he yawned. Um, uh, oh, and then you yawn. It's contagious. How the turntables. Um, I don't even have a table, so it's right here. It's in storage. But um, but no, if um, you know, you think about the talent, the parable of the talents. Okay, you think about. Yes, one guy had one talent, one guy had five, and one guy had ten. And I'm just paraphrasing numbers. I'm, that may not be exactly right, but you get the point. But, yeah, there may be somebody who's naturally good at speaking. I get that. Who is just a natural talent. 
And you may not have that talent, or you may not have the talent of singing, or you may not have the talent to to go visit somebody, or you may not, you know, you get the point. But you have a talent. And when you find it, all God wants you to do is, is multiply it. So if you have one, well, master that one, and maybe find another one. You're still serving God. If you have five talents, okay, take the five talents, master those, and then go on and do something else. If you have ten, you, you get the you get the point. We sell ourselves short as Christians, not because we can't do it, but because we don't want to do it. And sometimes serving God is uncomfortable. Not because of what we're doing is wrong, but because it just is uncomfortable for us as people. Because it's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But don't yell at me. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, we we sell ourselves short because we're not willing to do it. We're not willing to multiply our talents. You know, we, we may take it and bury it and just protect it. It's not what God wants. God wants you to continue to grow as a Christian from the day you are baptized to the day that you die. And complacency as a Christian is not an option. So if he can use these people... He can use you. Just find your way of doing it through the scripture, through having a relationship with God where, you know, I can't preach. I can't give a devo. I can't get up and lead scripture reading. I can't go visit, you know, the sick. But I can help mow the grass at church or if a shut-in needs their grass mowed, I can go and do that. You know, you guys get the point. There are many things that you can do to serve God. You may not be a teacher. You may not be a preacher. You may not be, but we all are ministers. A minister is not a title you have to have. All it is is the elderships recognizing you and saying, hey, you're really good at it. Why don't you do it more? (laughs) But if you're a Christian, you're a minister. Minister means you're going to minister to somebody's needs. You're going to show them love and help meet their needs. And if they can do it, we can do it. Okay, so going on from 32 to the end of the chapter, is there anything you wanted to... So it says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we, <coughs> Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so many in a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said seven and a few small fish, and directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd, and they all ate. And they were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were four thousand besides men, or besides women and children, excuse me. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Magadan. So this sounds familiar. Very familiar. Does it? Just a little familiar. But there's a lot of differences, different number of people. This is just the feeding of the 5,000, but a little differently. There's different number of people. There's different number of uh, portions of food. Uh, There's a different time of season, different location. But the main one I just want to focus on is the location. 
And so here we are the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. So that just means we're in the Decapolis region, which just means, and you can find all this in Mark chapter 7, but all this means that this is a Gentile area. And so that's something else that's different. This one, this account is preferably the Gentiles, and then the one just a, a chapter ago was the crowd was Jews. And so the main thing is when things happen twice, they happen, especially in the Bible, it's for a reason. It's, it's not just by, oh, well, I mean, me and Dylan were discussing it when we were looking over this. We were like, is this just a another account of it or is this a totally different event well it's a totally different event and that's for a reason so the first thing that happened is i wonder if the disciples even realized the difference because they said the same things they're like let's just send them away send them to their cities to to go eat but jesus is unwilling to send them away hungry and so again the disciples are are confused, but Jesus once again directs their steps for they didn't listen the first time, and so he applied the first lesson again. And so the most important thing is they haven't figured out God's love, I think. It's because they keep trying to send them away. Oh, well, you need to worry about yourself and don't worry about them. And and so God wants to teach us a lesson, and sometimes when we don't learn it the first time, it's going to happen again. And so patterns in our life are are, are meant to be there. They're they're very strong and a message to us. And that's just all I believe this this section is about is it's the same event initially, putting air quotes, just different location, different people, different times, different seasons. But I think it's the same message of trying to show God's love and how Jesus always puts others first. And then that's just another teaching lesson for the disciples. One thing that, that sticks out to me, and it goes along with right what you just said, um, in verse, and I, I'm a big, I like to pick out keywords, and um, but in starting in verse 32, it says, and Jesus called his disciples to him, and he said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have not have had nothing to eat. So you think about him having compassion. On people he doesn't know okay so here we there's 4,000 besides the women and children so it's just a large crowd and you're like okay so when and this is this sounds horrible but it's the truth you know if we go somewhere in a large crowd of people you know if you go to a concert or you go to something like that and somebody falls are we the first ones there to help pick them up no because we're like well I don't know that person <laughs> You know, or there's somebody's got to be with her yeah. to help her up. Or, or, you know, if it was an old lady, it'd feel different. I mean, if it's just a, you know, 25-year-old guy and he falls. And we're like, you're not, oh, let me go help this guy. I mean, we don't know him. Yeah. And you don't know why he fell. He could be drunk. You know, that's and we have all these assumptions and we have reasons why. Okay, well, I don't know that guy. I'm not going to go over there. You know, but Jesus is within this crowd of people and it says he has compassion on them. And it's, it's a small thing. You know, you know, if I'm driving somewhere with four or five people in my truck and we're on a, you know, going on a road trip or something, and I'm like, oh, shoot, have we eaten yet? Oh, let's go eat. Okay. But I, don't, I wouldn't call that compassion on them. It's probably because I got hungry, you know. But Jesus is something as small as eating. 
especially their eating and our eating is two different things. But something that simple, he wants to stop everything and make sure they have what they need. And guys, it's people that he doesn't know. He doesn't have a relationship with those people. So think about if you're a child of God, if you're one of his children, think about the compassion he has on you. I mean, if he's willing to stop everything and feed these people, think about what he wants in your life. And, you know, yes, yes, I'm not saying that we're going to get a free ticket into heaven because we're not. But we think of Christ as an authoritative figure, and he is. But he's also somebody who has compassion. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants you to do good things. You know, he wants you to set, he wants to set you up for success. He's not just going to throw you to the wolves and be like, well, hope, hope he makes it to heaven. That's not how it works. You know, think about, you know, people in your life that you have who have mentored you. You know, for me, it's Kevin Darty. Whenever Kevin figured out that I was going to be a youth minister, it wasn't, well, good luck. The phone call that I had, I had 30 days before I moved churches and started a youth ministry program. And when I told him, I said, uh, I got the job, I'm leaving. It wasn't, man, good luck. It wasn't, it was, okay. We've got 30 days to teach you how to do it. And I've thought about that all the time because when we become Christians, Yes, God is, I think Christ is happy about it, but I think he's also saying, okay, well now we have X amount of days to make sure you get into heaven. That's how we need to look at that. Because obviously if you have a mentor in your life, they care about you. They want to set you up for success. And Christ is saying, I want to set you up for success because I have compassion on you, because I love you. And he has compassion on strangers. But what about us as Christians? And maybe you're listening and you're not a Christian. He still has compassion on you. But we get so caught up as Christians, we get so caught up in everything, and then when something happens, it's, oh, God doesn't love me. I've, I've been there. He does. He has compassion on you. He wants you to be in heaven. You know, when you, I mean, and he knows your time clock more than you do. I don't know when I'm going to die. But I feel like every day that I wake up, because I could die tomorrow, I could die in 30 minutes. But, or I could die in, you know, 80 years. Who knows? That sounds better. But, every day when we open our eyes, God is saying, okay, well now you have X amount of days to make sure you get into heaven. That's the way we need to understand it. Because, yes, we serve a jealous God. But I think His compassion trumps that. Yes, he, he, he doesn't want us to make mistakes. Yes, he doesn't want us to sin. He hates sin. But he also looks at us and says, that's my child. That's, that's mine. And it's my responsibility to get him to heaven. I mean, it's our responsibility. But God is saying, but with me, together, we can get him to heaven. And that should excite you because he has compassion on us. He, he wants us there. It's not... You're just fighting an impossible goal. You're not. You know, I've heard so many people say, you know, well, I hope that person made it into heaven. Don't hope. No. 
you know, I hope I'm on the right track. I hope I'm going to make it into heaven. Don't hope that. Know for sure that you are. Because we serve a God that wants us there. We serve a God that says, I love Jackson because he's my son. I want him to be in heaven with me. God does it. He took that verse when he said, I don't want anyone to perish, but I want everyone to have everlasting life. Those are the words of Jesus. And he doesn't want anybody to not be to be separated from him. He has compassion and he wants everybody. He wants me. He wants you. But you know what? He also wants the alcoholic. He also wants the guy who's addicted to pornography. He also wants the guy who keeps cussing every every day at work. And we don't realize that. We don't realize the compassion he has on us. But even when we have no compassion on anybody, he still does. You know, we see a homeless person on the side of the road and we instantly get mad. And I'm talking to myself. Because when I drive past a homeless person, I'm like, get a job, bum. I'm just being real. Because that's that's what goes through my mind. I'm like, I'm out here working. You can too. And maybe there's a reason why they can't. And I have no compassion. But Jesus is saying, still love that guy still love the guy that's homeless. I still love the people that you don't love. I still love them. I have compassion on them. But the thing is, he can't save them without us helping bring them to Christ. So think about the compassion that Christ has. Yes, on you, it's a big deal. Because if you're a Christian, you are his child. He knows you personally. He knows your struggles. He knows your heart. And he loves you for it. And he has compassion on you. But let's think about it on the other side too. People who don't know him. People who have no relationship with him. Gosh, God loves them. And if he loves them, the savior of the world, we have time to love them too. We have time to have compassion on them too. The same way Jesus has compassion on these people. And we, we would be the same way. Let's stop. Let's stop what we're doing and feed these people. How? As the disciples put it. How? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? We get so caught up in that mess. Don't think like that. If Jesus says, I care about somebody, which he cares about every single person on the earth, we should care about him too. And we should care about him enough to say, I can still show him Christ. And if they don't want it, that's on them. But it's our responsibility to be compassionate the way Christ is compassionate. Because if he has enough compassion on us, we can't take that for granted. Because if God loves us, which he does, we need to go out and show that love. Don't just keep it for yourself. So that finishes up Matthew chapter 15. And we will start um, chapter 16. And the Pharisees come back into play. Of course they do. In the new place, though. Rude. We'll be in a new place, too. Whoop, twins. All right. So have a good week. God loves you. Um, so do we. We also have compassion on you, the same way Christ has compassion on us. So hope you have a good week. See you next Stay week. Stay out of trouble. Make good decisions. See you later. See ya.